You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. There are certain moments in every season that has an entire fan base immediately pucker up because there are certain things that you've seen so many times before that all you can do when you're seeing it again is say, this can't be real, it can't be happening, we can't be doing this again, and that might be exactly what we're saying when it comes to Doc Rivers and the 76ers. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And Sarah, we jump right in with the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless because the Straight Talk here is Philly fans right now. I mean, you are talking a level of walking around with butt cheeks clenched that they were not expecting as they find another way to just get beat in this series. All of a sudden, it is a series. And now with the Raptors scratching and clawing their way back into it, it's hard not to feel like this isn't a here-we-go-again scenario where the, the, suddenly you got to wonder if Philly's even going to survive this round yeah i i mean this is uh as i heard someone describe it earlier today this is like a cocktail of the worst ingredients that you'd want for a you know forcing game six and seven you've got um doc rivers who's got a terrible record in six and sevens in series um and has uh over the course of his career been on the losing end of multiple blown three one series leads no one has ever blown a 3-0, but maybe he's ready to take over that record. Um, you've got James Harden, who's notorious for forgetting how to basketball late in tight series. You've got Joel Embiid, who's injured. And you've got the general specter around the process never actually coming to fruition. All of it combines for some very puckered sphincters, as you said. Well, and not only that, but you just think about the way this entire NBA the season is gone, and now this postseason is gone. It feels like everything we thought we could count on, we can't count on. And, and, and it was about a week ago that it looked like, hey, Philly's a sure thing. It's going to be – everything's going to be fine. They're going to work it out. Toronto's not going to really be able to put up a fight. And I, I don't think it's just that Philly lost to Toronto in that last night. It, it's that – they got beat in such a sound way where it felt like they came out so flat in the game that had tremendous meaning. So it's hard not to look at it now and say, okay, with nothing going the right way and suddenly Joel Embiid looking frustrated at best, now Toronto seems to have all the momentum and momentum matters in playoff series. We we say this every year. So it, it's amazing how much the entire conversation has changed in only a week. Completely agree. Uh, and this was the result of uh, James Harden not being the dynamic scorer that this team needs. It's exactly what I said on the show last night, Fitz. I said it's fine if he's going to be a facilitator, but if Joel Embiid is going to be significantly hampered by the injury, you need James Harden to be the guy that we have not seen very often. I think just three 30-point games this calendar year. So a bunch of assists doesn't do much for you if you're only putting up 15 and the other team is locking down on Embiid, not to mention what a defensive liability Embiid looked like. Um, the only benefit, I guess, for the 76ers is that you need look no further than another game last night to find stars that looked even more pathetic. Uh, the Jazz, <laughs> let me tell you how many different sites I went to to double check that this statistic was correct. Three. Three sites to be certain that the Jazz shot 10% from three last night. Not in one quarter, not from one spot beyond the arc. They went three for 30 from three. Uh, Utah had just 36 points at the half, which is the lowest point total in a half all season. Great timing. And Donovan Mitchell will be so grateful 
when all of the blur around this as years pass makes us think of this game as one that he left early, but they were down 28 when he left with four minutes left and he had a minus 38 plus minus. If you remember this down the road as, oh, well, he didn't finish the game, so those stats are skewered. No, there were four minutes left. They were down 28 and he shot four for 15, 0 for 7 from deep and had nine points. Oh, my God. I mean, and you think about what we were saying about this game, uh, this series so far yesterday, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz. And, you know, I kept thinking last night as I was watching it, which is also weird being on the West Coast and seeing these games when the sun is still out. Like, I can't get used to that. But as I was sitting there watching this game, I kept thinking, said last night, you know, going into this, I I don't care what the the count in the series was. The Mavericks have been the far better team, and they looked it. And now you got to look here for the Jazz and say, what's the point? Like, if you're if you're Utah and you're looking around saying, how do we have two really talented players and a team that just stinks? Like, that's, that's weird because you don't see a clear-cut path to suddenly making them better. And I'm looking at a Dallas team that came out fired up last night and just put it on the Jazz. And, and, and Utah had absolutely... No answer. It wasn't supposed to be that way. This was supposed to be the sort of series they could win, especially like we said yesterday with Luka being hampered in the middle, in the beginning of the series, I should say. I was just amazed to see yet another effort that was just putrid from the Jazz. I wasn't amazed. Uh, This is something we've seen from the Jazz. This is sort of their MO is like, look at us in the regular season and watch us fall apart. Also, you look at the assists from uh, Donovan Mitchell to uh, Gobert and that rift off the court manifests itself on it as well. This is a guy who has um, 2.3 Mitchell to Gobert passes per game. That's 5.6% of his passes on the floor. There are five other players in the Jazz that get more passes from Mitchell in the game despite Mitchell and Gobert leading the team in minutes played. These are guys that do not fit and how that's going to look moving forward and if they blow up the team who they decide to go with uh, is still up in the air but this is a jazz team that disappoints and lucky for the Mavs who have somehow skated by without enough national attention on how many years of Luka they've wasted by also being incredibly disappointing in the postseason they've found themselves matched up with a team that might be worse so the Mavs could escape this and make it to the second round but that doesn't mean that we don't also still need to have conversations about the talent that the Mavs do or do not put around Luka. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, I'm looking at a Utah team. You mentioned Gobert, uh, and all I keep thinking about is at least Utah tried with two stars. Like they, uh, To see right. a team with two stars. Like, last year we were looking at, you know, Portland and talking a lot about them on this show because we loved having those two guys play together, right? And, and you could talk about Damon McCollum playing together last year. It was fun to watch. Even if the team wasn't going to be great when you have two stars that are that good, now you're looking at two star, two star players that should make your team competitive anytime, anywhere. And to your point, it's like watching oil and water. Like it just doesn't it doesn't gel together at all. And I don't well, think. Go ahead. Uh, no, I don't think that there's an easy solution. I don't think this is something that coaching can fix. I don't think that it's something scheme can fix. I just I feel like you got two guys that are never going to gel together the right way, and they're going to have to make decisions now about how to move forward. I mean, I think that's true. I just think the problem is we've seen this across so many different spaces. You just can't put two stars together, irrespective of their styles of play, and believe that that's the answer. I mean, look no further than the game we just talked about, Joel and Harden, right? I mean, this is Joel after that game, trying his best to put the right words together to say James has to be better. I've been saying all season since he got here, you know, he just needs to be aggressive and he needs to be himself. You know, that's not really my job. 
you know, that's probably on coach uh, to talk to him and tell him to, you know, take more shots. Does that's not my job mean I've been saying it a lot and he doesn't listen? Or I haven't been saying it, but somebody should? Either way, it's the passive-aggressive, oh, look, another teammate I'm disappointed by. And that seems to be a theme across a couple different teams. You can put a lot of talent together, but you got to actually work on roster construction and who's going to make sense together. And a couple different iterations across the league are not uh, not proving uh, the the roster creators to be to be right in that regard. And that is some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. We'll keep the NBA straight talk coming. How worried should the Sixers be with the injury concerns that are mounting and the Raptors finding a bit of their stride? We'll ask a guest next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's head out to the call in line. John Hollinger, senior NBA columnist for The Athletic, joins us now to talk all things NBA. Hey, let's start with last night. Uh, how worrisome is it, especially when you look at how James Harden fares late in playoff series and elimination games, and then Doc Rivers' record down the stretch in series? Uh, what happened with the Sixers and Raptors? So here's what I don't get about last night. His, his thumb was injured. That shouldn't have affected his ability to move. But he got torched on defense mm-hmm. to an extent that we have rarely seen all year. And that, that was the part that, that blew my mind. Toronto went right after him and uh, right at him in and, and switches and was able to score mostly with Pascal Siakam uh, pretty easily last night. I thought that was a real difference in the game. Obviously, the thumb is an ongoing concern. Uh, as you mentioned, as you get into the second round. But Philadelphia won those first two games at home so easily and scored so easily that I think everyone just thought this was going to be a gentleman's sweep and then we move on. And now all of a sudden we've got a real series on our hands. And the, the other thing in that series that's interesting to me, so I went there for the Toronto-Philadelphia game in late March. Fred Van Vliet missed that game too. And Toronto did the exact same thing where they just played – Five guys who were basically between 6'7 and 6'9. I mean, I, Gary Trent is a, a little shorter and he played some of the minutes too. But the basic idea is they, they have these similar size guys. They switch everything. Offensively, they can really choose which guy on Philadelphia they want to attack. They were putting Maxi and, and Beat in a lot of pick and rolls and they really struggled with it. So is that sustainable for the rest of this series? I think that's absolutely Toronto's game plan for the rest of this series. Now, Philadelphia should be able to score more than they did in, in game four. I think Embiid's thumb is some of that, but, I mean, Maxi was a real problem for them the first couple games. Did, didn't really light them up uh, in, in game five. And then uh, Philadelphia was able to score very easily in transition the first couple games, really burn the Raptors for, who like to crash the boards. And that hasn't happened as much in the last couple games. I still think Philadelphia probably survives. I mean, we've seen this movie before where a team gets three down and wins a couple. Nobody's ever won four in a row after being down 3-0, at least in the NBA. At some point, somebody will be first. But the odds say uh, it's still very much in Philadelphia's favor here. Doc Rivers looking to set a record. He could, I can feel yeah, that, it. I mean, <laughs> I tweeted the other if night after Toronto won game four. I mean, it, it will blow up the internet if <laughs> between Philadelphia and their fans being involved, Doc mm-hmm. Rivers and James Harden, yeah. like this, this will just nuke the entire internet. Yeah, this will be unbelievable. 
It's Spain and Fitz. We're talking to John Hollinger, senior NBA columnist for The Athletic. Uh, there's a lot of runs and extreme leads and lead losses. It's made it really tough for me to tell who's got the edge right now in the Grizzlies-T-Wolves series. Do you feel like you have a good read on it? Yeah, it's been a, kind of a funky series that way, right? And I I still think Memphis has the advantage that they have home court and I, they they still have some, some things that I think that they can get to that they – haven't really maybe taken advantage of as much in the, in the first couple of games, but it's interesting because John Morant physically, I don't think he's a hundred percent right now. At least he certainly wasn't last game and his ability to explode and create in the, in the half court is really their main option. And so if Minnesota can take away Memphis's running game, they, you know, the advantage still starts tilting to them a little bit. I think Carl Towns has been a real problem for Memphis's, defense i think if they can get anthony edwards going the way they did in game one they have a chance to steal this one with that being said i mean look in the west overall the sun's battling injuries the grizzlies haven't been particularly great like who stands out right now who do you think the favorite in the west is today you know i i still think if phoenix gets through this and you look at them in later rounds with devin booker back in the lineup i still think you have to give them some kind of up nod for that but golden state has looked amazing in in these playoffs so far and offensively when they play curry pool and thompson at the same time the way jordan pool has been going in in addition to having the splash brothers i just don't know how you guard that and so i i didn't think this coming in i i thought it was really phoenix's Uh, conference to lose but now I think you might have to say Golden State is a favorite based on how they how they've looked and just how unguardable they are in their best moments yeah this uh this postseason has gone very differently than expected in part because of injuries and we've seen how that's affected some of the teams others have managed to uh survive for instance the Bucks are looking pretty good against my Bulls I hope they at least put up a bit of a fight before they get eventually uh gentlemen swept <laughs> we're talking to John Hollinger and Sarah Spain Jason Fitz he's a senior NBA columnist for the athletic you can follow him at John Hollinger all right, let's talk Nets quickly. And we've spent a whole lot of time on a team that just got swept in the first round. What do you make of Steve Nash? Did we get any idea of what kind of coach he actually is? And does he have a future in Brooklyn? So that I, that's a huge question that everyone has been asking for the last few days. I mean, just being at the arena for the Atlanta-Miami game, like that's that's what people are talking about, right? It's interesting because I think what he's what he had to do this year was not what he signed up for, right? He's he's not coaching this year. He's he's managing a circus, and so it's a completely different uh, ask of him, I think, than than what he thought he was right. getting into. Uh, from from all I can tell, is that he still wants to come back, which is one of the things I wonder too. Um, but he apparently still wants to come back, and I don't think the Nets are in any big rush to push him out. Uh, I do think there were some things they could have done maybe a little more creatively, offensively, uh, to, to put Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in some better situations. But I also think the rest of the roster was really limited. Durant was out of gas because they had to play him 40 minutes a game the entire month of March just to get into the playoffs. And... There are some things, obviously, when you look at next year, if they can get Ben Simmons on the court, if they can get Joe Harris back, add one or two more players, 
then you're all of a sudden talking about a much more formidable team. So I, I don't think it's necessarily Armageddon right now for, for the Nets. I, I just think they ran into a situation once, once you subtracted James Harden, basically, uh, and you didn't get anything for that because Simmons never played. I, they were always going to be up against the eight ball. And by the way, credit to Boston, who has been lights out since the all-star break and took care of business again. John, real quick, before we let you go, you mentioned roster Armageddon. It might be the situation for the Jazz. Are they going to blow this up? Like, who stays? What's the solution there? Uh, I think blow it up is maybe not the right term because I still think they're going to – like, they're not going to tank. But the team will look very different, I think, coming in October. Like, Danny Ainge did not take the job out there uh, to uh, just play golf. Like he is every, everything you hear from people like he, he is there to do stuff and remake that team. And I, I do wonder if uh, Thursday will be the last time we see Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert as teammates again. Hmm. Hey, real quick, one sentence or less. Cause you just talked about not being uh roster Armageddon. So you would re up Kyrie Irving. I think you almost have to. You have no the way their the way their cap situation is. They, I mean, you're going to sign somebody for the minimum to replace Kyrie Irving. I, I think you mm-hmm. have to. And mm-hmm. then if it goes sideways, you have to figure out a way to trade him later. But you, you, the way the cap situation works, you really have no other option. Yeah, there's some tough decisions being made by some of these teams. Hey, John, always appreciate the insight. Thanks, thanks a lot. All right, thanks, John. All right, thanks for having me on the show. Good stuff from John Hollinger at Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Don't forget, the NBA playoffs are right here on ESPN Radio. Tune in tomorrow night as the Bucks host My Bulls, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. In addition to the Nets having to figure out Kyrie, Sixers having to figure out Harden, my Bulls have to figure out Zach Levine and a max contract. So there's a lot of teams that are going to be looking around. I think it's a obvious yes and a clear yes for the Bulls. The other two... Not so much. So interesting to hear John Hollinger's take on the Nets situation. Uh, That'll be a big decision they have to make. Coming up, we're going to talk with someone that many are calling the best pure prospect in the entire NFL draft. It's next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app at Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We'll get back to the NBA talk. Uh, We've been obviously getting you caught up on the NBA playoffs, and we will continue to do that. Sarah, I think... It's been like seven minutes, so it's time for me to again promote the fact that I'll be digitally hosting (laughs) the NFL Draft broadcasts for ESPN Thursday and Friday uh, from Las Vegas. It'll be me, Dominique Foxworth, Harry Douglas, uh, Field Yates, Spencer Hall, just a whole crew of us hanging out Thursday and Friday live from Vegas. You can watch that uh, in the ESPN app, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, everywhere that you watch ESPN digitally. Fun way to watch us have a good time. We're doing the same great content, we hope, and uh, we're just doing it a little looser, having a good time doing it. So figure with all the draft talk going and with me sitting in Vegas, this is a great time to talk to who I think is, uh, without question, the number one prospect in the entire NFL draft. He joins us now, Kyle Hamilton, uh, obviously a tremendous career in Notre Dame. And, and Kyle, we'll get to Call of Duty in a second. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. But I, I want to start with the prospect portion of this because so many people I've talked to that cover this draft that are ready for this draft have said clearly you are the number one prospect in the draft but then I also hear you can't take a safety top overall in the NFL draft how does that all make you feel that your position is sort of a part of what equates your value when you come into the league 
Yeah. Um, first off, good to be on. Thanks for having me on. Um, and to answer your question, it's it's a blessing to even be considered um, top prospect, top whatever. Um, it's, the, it's the pinnacle of the sport, and um, it's what I, my, I've been striving to be um, the past three years. And um, whether my positional value or whatever it may be, um, I just think the game's changing, and guys like Derwin James and Tyron Matthew and other guys, Jordan Poyer show that the safety position is valuable. So um, at the end of the day, it's up to how people see it. But I think the game's changing for the better, and I feel like safeties are definitely part of that change. Kyle, I don't think many of us can imagine what it must be like to be criticized at the highest levels at the collegiate um, football when you're putting your game out there. But in the months after that, you're being analyzed for a whole bunch of not playing football, combine scores, interviews, people who are lying just for the sake of throwing other teams off the scent. How have you prepared yourself for reactions to your combine numbers and this uncertainty sort of leading up to the draft? Yeah, I mean, it It can be uh, a whirlwind, uh, tiring, uh, annoying at times, but <laughs> I've kind of just learned to just control the controllables. Uh, people are going to talk. That's, that's their job. That's how people make money um, and through social media, and there's a bunch of Twitter GMs out there. So um, don't really look at that stuff. Don't feed into it. Just do what I can do to be the best person and best player I can be. And at the end of the day, just be thankful whether I go one, 11, or whatever, 31, whatever it may be. Um, just thankful that I get the opportunity to play in the NFL. We're talking to Kyle Hamilton, the future superstar NFL player, already had a tremendous career at Notre Dame. Kyle, uh, what what are your draft night plans? Like, Who's who's coming to with you? How are you going to watch it? How are you going to take it all in? The easier answer is who's not coming. Um, <laughs> there's a ton of people that I know that are coming, but um, – yeah, let's go to the draft, obviously, um, after have dinner and then just chill with my friends, family, um, just kind of soak in the moment, thank everybody. Um, not too much going on, but just celebrating the moment. All right, we need to hear about the draft day fit. And by the way, we're talking to Notre Dame NFL draft prospect Kyle Hamilton. You can follow him at Kyle D. Hamilton underscore. What do we got? What are we wearing? Uh, did, did people call you to offer up their wares, or uh, how did you figure out what you want to look like on this big night? Um, we do have some stuff in the works. I'm not allowed to speak on it just yet. Um, but I'm, uh, I'm excited for what it is. And I feel like, um, it's not too much, but it's enough. And there's a lot of subtle detail, which kind of describes me, I would say. So, um, I'm excited, but, uh, you will see in about two days. That's a hell of a tease, Fitz. We got to get him in the radio business. Well, and the see, that's the perfect segue because he's also the co-host of the Inside the Garage podcast. And, and this is one of the things that's really interesting to me, Kyle. Uh, I was talking to Max Crosby about this last week. Like the day he came into the league, he knew he wanted media to be part of his future. So for you, as you start planning with the podcast world, like what are your media aspirations? Yeah, I mean, first off, me and my three roommates, Connor Radigan, KJ Wallace, Cam Hart, who are actually about to land in Vegas in a little bit. Um <clears throat> We um our main our main point main idea is just to convey a message that isn't misconstrued by a third party or uh, people playing telephone with what other football players think and people and fans can get information right from the source and I feel like it's a market that hasn't been supplied and supplied to and from a college football perspective and maybe from an NFL perspective as I transition into that but um, it's genuine it's fun um, not too time consuming at the same time and we have a great time until like people really enjoy it so I think we put out a good product and hopefully people like it 
Kyle, you sound way too nice for this business. I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I'm going to need you to work on the hot takes. I'm going to need you to work on dogging other teams' players, calling out opponents, creating <laughs> build. We need headlines, baby. If we're going to sell this thing, we need headlines. So work on the hot takes. Uh, you know, just, just letting you know in advance the whole nice guy thing. Um, I think you've misread the entire profession. Yeah, I'm good. I guess I'm just going to be a boring interview. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about Call of Duty. Uh, I know you're doing some work with them here in Vegas or, or as you get into the draft. So uh, what I think is interesting is in a video game world for so many people that are playing right now, uh, how does the video game sort of community help you connect with other players in the league as you come into the NFL? Um, I mean, we're competitive people at heart, competitive nature. Um, everybody at this level, and that could be football, obviously, that could be singing that could be in a race that could be in video games so um whatever it may be we're always trying to compete and i feel like you can be connected to so many people um throughout video games and just meeting a friend through another friend like there's people that i play video games with that i've never met in real life but i call good friends just because the conversation we have over the mic and stuff like that so um i think it's pretty special um once you get a good group of people to play video games with you and you can really create some good relationships Kyle Hamilton is with us here on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, NFL draft prospect and co-host of Inside the Garage podcast. Um, you said you made friends through Call of Duty. Any of them current NFLers? And is it difficult in these days leading up to the draft not to sort of imagine what it might be like if you end up somewhere with guys you've already got a relationship with, guys that you really want to play with? Or do you have to sort of protect yourself from from planning ahead for places uh, with, without knowing where you're headed? Yeah, so um, I play a lot with Nick McLeod. He plays cornerback with the Buffalo Bills. He was Notre Dame uh, grad transfer there two years ago. Um, play with Claypool a little bit. Um, Claypool's a gamer. Um, well, there's some other guys I'm forgetting, but um, the Michael Carter on the Jets. I'm supposed to play him um, soon, but that's just something like it. You, you, we have all this stressful stuff going on in our lives, and be able to go home, turn on PlayStation, Xbox, and get on Call of Duty and just talk trash and play a fun game it's, it's definitely needed so right. do you you're never do you gonna, think you're, about where you're going to end up though or do you have to tell yourself like it's so up in the air there could be people trading in and out like i don't want to think about where i want to be because i don't want to be disappointed so i just have to wait yeah i mean like i said i'm just trying to control the controllables just control what i can um if i go somewhere and obviously i can't decide at this point it's, it's out of my hands so i'm not gonna be mad or um, or anything like that wherever I go. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you guys know as much as me where I'm going to where I'm gonna go. So <laughs> it's, it's exciting, but also a little a little anxious. Kyle, before we let you go, but uh, was there any – I won't ask you what team, but was there, was there any sort of a really weird question you got asked by teams as they went through the whole interview process? Um, I haven't gotten a really weird one. Um. The weirdest one I've heard somebody got, uh, I'm not exactly sure who it was. I heard somebody got asked, um, do you think your mom's attractive? Uh, I thought that was a little weird. But, <laughs> um, oh, God. but I have no clue who asked it or who got it asked to. That's just, again, through telephone. But uh, that's what I heard, and I thought that was a little odd. I was not oh, expecting man. a your mom response. Yeah, that is that is so weird. I, I wouldn't even know how to answer that in fairness. Follow him on Twitter at Kyle D. Hamilton underscore. Check out Inside the Garage podcast. 
Uh, Kyle, first and foremost, enjoy every single second of the night, man. Congrats on a great career. I know it's going to be a special night for you in Vegas, and can't wait to see where you end up. And can't wait to watch you kick ass in the in the league. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kyle. I, I'm telling you, Sarah, I'm not a GM, and I'm glad I'm not a GM. But if I was if if I was a GM and I had to pick one person in this draft that I would say in a wild draft, there's one person that I I had to bank on would be a star out of this one. It's him. I think he's going to have an absolutely mm-hmm. incredible career. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive going. Insurance. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, that that one takes too long to pay out. I just can't figure out where he's going to be drafted. It, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, RV, and more. In short whole bunch of things bundled today at progressive.com due to the NBA and the NFL draft. We're not going to be on again as a show until Monday. So we're going to get you and get your wild predictions on what we think will happen during the time that we're off. We'll have a little fun next Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to make some wild predictions, sure to go wrong in just a minute, but first, let's check in on the NBA games underway already tonight. Uh, Atlanta's up just a couple points on the Hawks, and Fitz, I heard someone describe this as having big rock fight energy, Um, uh, not being able to watch it because we're currently on the air. I'm not sure what that means, but um, it's a tight game, and obviously Butler is on the bench, sidelined, so uh, the Heat are looking to put this series away without their superstar. Um, It's just been a little bit disappointing of an outing uh, overall from the Hawks, although I will say that we've said all season long that the Heat have been a little underappreciated because of how deep the top couple teams in the East went. Um, But I I still expected, I think, a bit more swagger from this Hawks team, even if they were going to get bounced. Yeah, and and to to me, what you just mentioned about underappreciating the Heat, I think is an important part of this because I keep thinking – Maybe this is more about Miami than it is about Atlanta. You're right. Mm. They haven't had mm-hmm. the same level of swagger in general this year in the playoffs. Something has that little special sauce they had last year has not been rebottled. But uh, through all of that, I keep looking at a Miami team that, to your point, wasn't getting enough conversation or 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 overall hot take throughout the course of the year, and is just proving that they are really stinking good and if they go out and they win this series without Jimmy Butler which by the way is going to give them a little bit of time to get everything right and uh, get a little healthier I I just the the number of wins that stack up here for Miami that aren't even just about wins on the court are going to be a big big deal as this playoff grind goes on yeah absolutely the other game is the back and forth series in uh, Memphis tonight for Mem- uh, Memphis and Minnesota. Uh, this series is tied to a piece. And as we talked to John Hollinger earlier, this one has had such wild swings that I legit can't get a read on who's got the upper hand. This is a Grizzlies team that is much higher seeded and in theory should have dispatched with a team that required a play-in tournament to get in. But hell, if the Timberwolves haven't proved themselves to be um, able to get by even when Carl Anthony Towns has had some major cat- catastrophes, when Anthony Edwards has been in and out as as, as far as making his big uh, debut on the national stage. Um, it just it hasn't been as easy going for the Grizzlies as we would have expected coming in off that regular season. Yeah, and John Morant so far, I mean, we're early in this game, and it's tied up 17 apiece. John Morant has none. He has nothing at this point, and that's a, 
I'm not sure Jaw's 100%. The Grizzlies obviously hoping Jaw can get in the zone. Get in the zone brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. But you've got to look at some point at this Memphis team. And to your point, I I mean, I keep saying, oh, this is going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And I'm starting to look around and say, maybe this isn't fine. And I I expected them to be a little more aggressive and to be able to get a bigger differential at the free throw line. I thought that there's been the game plan there for them. But they've been wildly inconsistent for a number two seed. And they... There's a real opportunity to capture the West. I, I, I'm looking at the top two seeds saying, uh, can the Suns get healthy enough to do it? And can the can the Grizzlies get out of their own way enough mm-hmm. to do it? So, you know, impressive by Minnesota for sure. West certainly a lot more open now with Booker out than it was during the regular season. when We were absolutely certain that the Sun could run it from start to finish and that the Warriors might be the only team to contend. Uh, Warriors looking pretty darn strong lately. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. All right, as we mentioned, uh, we've got NBA playoffs bumping us tomorrow. We've got the draft Thursday, Friday. Fitz is still out in Vegas, and you can watch him doing a whole ton of digital coverage of that. Um, And then... We probably will be on Monday night, but until the NBA schedule is out, we don't know for sure. So it's going to be at least six days without your trusted source for ridiculousness and occasional sports news. Uh, so we might as well make it extra ridiculous now, Fitz. And I think make some predictions sure to go, sure to go wrong over things that happen in the next six days. Uh, do you want to start? Okay. Uh, well, I think I'm. if you want fully ridiculous predictions that may I would may like not. them to have some some potential to actually occur. I think the Sixers are going to lose the series. How's that for a ridiculous prediction? How do you like that? The wheels are falling off. I like it. They're done. um... Philly fans, at me instead of Sarah. Have the you-know-whats to at me, at Jason Fitz, instead of going after Sarah, because every time this show says everything, anything, (laughs) stupid Philly fans go. And not not all Philly fans are stupid. I'm saying the stupid Philly fans go after Sarah. Let me be very clear. Make sure everybody can listen. So y'all come come after me for once. I'm a man. He's 40. I'm Um, I'm 44. I'm a man. My prediction... And this is going to require you to clarify because I heard Mina Kimes on ESPN Daily today talking about the setup for uh, the draft. And I heard you yesterday on our show talking about how people would be confused about the location. But my prediction is that at least one drafted player will dive into the fountain. Oh, see, but here's the thing. They're not, they're, they're going to, that's the red carpet area. So, uh, the so they would have to get area. drafted and then run back to the green room area yeah and, and, then and what i haven't dr- seen yet is hmm. like I, I don't know like will any of them be somebody will jump off the pool that is a great prediction i like that the the somebody like, jumps off a pool yeah, prediction is, i just is feel a good like one. that comes into play during that extreme excitement of the moment right after you've shaken roger's hand put the hat on i feel like that's the moment to jump not after you've had an interview and settled down a bit and gone back to the green room so i don't know maybe it won't happen but i i do think that there's someone with a flair for the dramatic that's considering how to best use the the space around him at the draft I, I think we could see also a Gatorade dunk, but not from anybody involved Ooh. in the draft, from people at the draft. Because it's going to mm. be like 97 degrees okay. outside on the on the strip. It's an outdoor area where it's all going down. People are going to be roasting, and they're going to be de-runk, right? So I'm, mm. I'm imagining there will be a Gatorade dunk. Somebody's going to get a bunch of liquid, dump it on their friends when somebody is drafted. That's a good prediction. Okay. Uh, where will they be getting a tub of Gatorade? Well, the, at this point, it's going to be a little bit more like, you know, stone 
world where the beers are being consumed. It's oh, just okay. going to be a bunch of Gatorades dumped on okay. one person at one time. Okay. I predict that one of the top 20 drafted players is visibly hungover. Looks like absolute garbage. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that is, that is, that's, that's wild. I don't even, what, you know what? How could one they not? player, one player, one, one player drafted will wear something that shows midriff. hundred percent. It's going to oh, be so hot. You can't wear a regular vibe? suit. I mean, yeah, you're going to go full Elliott Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott had a crop top suit at the draft, if you recall. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to do – it's going to be that with, with shorts instead of actual suit pants. Like, There's going to be, like, suit mm-hmm. shorts. What do you call those? I mean, I've, suit I've shorts or I've seen that shorts? before. Somebody wore a suit with a short-sleeved top and bottom to the ESPYs one year. That's what you're That's predicting? Look. I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, predu- I'm predicting midriff and short suits together. It's, it's one outfit. Wow. This person is uh, definitely a DB. Or a wide receiver. Uh, no, I hope it's an offensive lineman. I want a big nasty, like a, 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 just a, a big boy out there crop-topping it, letting everything hang out. Oh, give me that. Just inject okay, that. Okay, do we have veins. more predictions for other sports? Um, trying to think. Are there any other series that you want to predict? Um, I will. I'm going to. I'm going to predict they, that Fitz turns into a robot. I'm very comfortable with that. There we go. He's back. Oh, You're comfortable with what exactly? Yeah, you did. Oh. That was like when you fake having Memphis a bad over connection Minnesota. I got so that. that people can't hear what you predicted. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm, using, I'm losing you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just oh, want to remind amazing. everyone that's that amazing. the next time we're on the air... It's going to be me. <laughs> Get it? Because it's going to be next month well by the time we're on the air. It's going to be me. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, Good it. chance our next guest could be the number one overall yeah. pick in the draft. It's next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. The streets of Las Vegas are being shut down. The stages are being built. The chaos is almost here. It's almost NFL draft time. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And Sarah, uh, it's going to be a wild party. I mean, the more I look at it, uh, talking to one employee that works here uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, she was saying that they're being told, the employees are being told to show up four hours early just to be able to get to their shift, just to be able to get through the crowds that they're anticipating throughout all of downtown Vegas or all of the strip area, I should say, as we get ready for the draft, like it is going to be chaos. And one of the weird things I, you know, I mentioned earlier how different it is doing the show, even on the West coast, because we finish in late night basketball games or, you know, going on and the sun's still up. It's going to be interesting because I'm used to doing the draft in a way where we ended about midnight Eastern and everything sort of shuts down. Well, the draft here is going to be 9 p.m. Eastern. Everybody will have been in the Ooh. sun for a solid five or six hours, and then they're going to go hit the club. Like it is going to get, it's going to get chaotic. You looking? Uh, are you talking about yourself or everybody else? By the way, uh, oh, you sound like oh, you are coming to us from the bottom of the pool at the uh, at the uh, Bellagio. Oh, good. 
uh, in and out, no, uh, well, Mr. You know. Robot style. Uh, by the way, it sounds like our guest is going to be joining us in about 15. So let's pivot, shall we, Fitz? Uh, let's, let's pivot. Yeah, um, let's pivot. And, and talk a little bit about some things going on in other sports because there's a lot of L's being taken around the sports world. And I think I'd like to make this a quickies if we can. Uh, yes, we can. Look at that. Look at the guys. Oh, look at that. That's guys solid behind work. the glass getting it done. Bunch of people taking the nail. Yes. Um, and let's start with Micah Parsons. And on the one hand, he's, he's getting some wins. People are asking him out to do some cool stuff. Unfortunately, he's not always succeeding in those moments. Uh, he was invited out to drop the puck at a hockey game. And uh, apparently he's not super familiar with how that goes down because he did not wait for the players to skate onto the ice, face off against each other, and then be standing there as he dropped the puck between them. He just dropped it before they got there. Uh, So they had to start that over. And they had to let him know. Uh, in, in fact, it was pretty good. The Hershey Bears, which is the team where he was dropping the puck. Uh, thanks for coming out last night. Sorry for not explaining how a puck drop works. That one is on us. Our bad. Uh, so he dropped the puck at the wrong time. Are uh, you surprised, the- though? Like, are, are you surprised at that? Like, he's from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, right? Like, he, he grew up in Pennsylvania. Like, I, I just would feel like he would have seen a kid it from Harrisburg. Yeah, just yeah. scrolling social media, he would have spotted that scene where someone famous stands between two crouched-over players and drops the puck. Apparently not. Apparently not something you've seen before. Um, second half of his special, special uh, last couple days was an announcement from the city of Harrisburg that Mayor Williams is going to present Micah Parsons with the key to the city today, 1 p.m. And it's Micah's second key. He lost the first one. <laughs> so uh, maybe stick to football, I guess. Uh, you needed, to, you needed two mean, chances to like drop the puck, on that, and you like, need two chances with the key. I, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, every once in a while I accidentally put my hotel room key in Vegas next to my phone, and then it doesn't work. That feels like it's sort of the same thing. you got to go down to the I don't think it is. I, don't, like, I think losing key a key to the city, to the city no, I don't think that's the case. I don't think he's lost the magnetic power of a hotel key i believe it is a giant key and he's just he's just uh, misplaced it uh all right next story giants is relative also taking an l if you recall we talked about the reds uh unfortunate start to the season when uh phil castellini one of the owners uh the president i should say president of the reds um was asked on opening day amid all the festivities and excitement about uh, whether or not the team is being handled well, whether money is being spent correctly, whether the fans should you know, have a right to be frustrated and angry and maybe not want to be fans of the Reds anymore. And here's how he responded. Yeah, so uh, not a great response, and the result has been some early frustration. In March, fans protested outside the stadium. In April, they bought a billboard, and this past weekend, they went right into Great American Ballpark with T-shirts, signs, grocery bags over their head, a banner flying over the stadium calling for owner Bob Castellini to sell the team. So Bob and Phil... Uh, not great. Uh, in fact, there was even a banner on Saturday with that direct quote from Phil. Where are you going to go? Already gone. Thanks, Phil. So, uh, not hmm. great. Uh, it not can great. Neither be com- it, it, it can either be confirmed nor denied at this point that 
the banner and the billboard cost more than the entire payroll for the Reds. Right. I mean, this is they're just <laughs> what do you expect? I mean, if they're going to be just living in a big old barrel of suck, then I think the fans have every right to come out and at least to let them know that they're not even trying at this point. I'm all in for this from the fans. I love fans having a little recourse. I would only say just make sure you're not actually physically buying any tickets because at the end of the day, that's still that you know hate right. listens count too, as we always say. You know, so just make sure you're not giving them any any, any money. Presumably, this occurred uh, with fans who had uh, unfortunately had season tickets or somehow already had those tickets. Reds currently three and thirteen uh, through the first fifteen games this season. Their win loss is tied for the worst. Their runs are the worst. Their batting average is the worst. Their OBP is the worst, and their slugging percentage is the worst across all of the MLB. Uh, it's Spain and Fitz. We're doing some quickies. Teams taking some L's, players taking some L's, people taking some L's. Next story. Mark Emmert taking a bunch of L's across the internet today as it was announced that he will be stepping down as the uh, president of the NCAA uh, June of 2023. We do have some time before this takes hold, uh, but everybody already offering up suggestions for who should take over. And it's going to be a tough sell right now, Fitz, as the college structure as it currently stands is failing almost everyone involved. And there's a lot of upheaval and change. Uh, all three NCAA divisions are in the process of rewriting their rules. There's a ton of talk and change around NIL. Um, there's a lot of criticism about the inequities and potentially uh, the uh, not aligning by the policies of, of Title IX. Um, Paul Feinbaum didn't mince any words when talking about the news of Mark Emmert today. Woo-hoo-hoo. Oh, that's that's fine. Mom going full Tasmanian devil on the way out the door. He's just making sure that it's just all the dust is up, kicked up. And I love the, the concept that Emmert's going to have a full year, the opposite of Coach K, like where you get the retirement tour and everybody cheers. I'm not <laughs> sure anybody's going to do anything other than boo and hiss the entire time. But he signed up for it for a year. And by the way, NCAA, call me. I'll let the world hate me for, for that Mark Emmer paycheck. Yeah, yeah. for that No worse. All day. Yeah, all day. It can't day. be any worse. Uh, final last story. Uh, the commanders taking an L. The Virginia Attorney General's office will investigate their alleged financial improprieties. Last we checked in on this, it was when I was hosting ESPN Daily with John Keim, and he was reporting on the letter that the commanders had released uh, disagreeing with many of the accusations of the former employee who alleged financial improprieties. Well, the attorney, uh, Virginia Attorney General's office believed enough of what he said, or at least wanted to be sure, because they will now... Um, do an inquiry. And this is all because originally Congress uh, learning about and getting involved in allegations of a toxic workplace environment. So the snowball is rolling and picking up steam fits. And every time the snowball keeps rolling, we seem to get more information that is damning for everybody involved. If I'm the NFL, I am so nervous about what this is going to continue to show everybody about everybody's Mm -hmm. books and communications. Like This is the beginning of a very large and complicated spider web that the NFL wants nothing to do with publicly. It's Spain and Fitz. Don't forget ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And now a no-frills ad brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Here it is. You could save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. That's it. See? Just a good old-fashioned, straightforward ad. See if you could save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or Progressive.com. Coming up, seems to be a two-man race for who will be taking number one overall in the NFL draft. One of those players, hopefully, going to join us next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. 
It's been like three minutes since I reminded everybody you can check out the digital draft shows that we'll be hosting on ESPN app, uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all of those places. I'm in Vegas getting ready to do those shows, and we'll cover every pick from the first, second, and third rounds digitally for you with a huge cast, so make sure you check that out. And in the meantime, that means we get to talk to some draft prospects, have a little bit of fun, and uh, look, it's a two-horse race according to almost everybody that we read right now and everybody that we're listening to right now on who's going to be the top overall pick in this year's draft. One of the guys that gets mentioned all the time, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, and he joins us now. Aiden, really appreciate the time, and this is such a wild process for you going through it, and now you've got the rumor mill with the first overall pick, possibly. How do you sort of compartmentalize the concept of I just want to be drafted, but also knowing that there's a shot you could be the top guy in the draft? Yeah, you know, it's, it's very cool, you know, to be in the position that I'm in, and I'm super grateful to be in this position. But, you know, I just hope, you know, wherever I go, whether that be one or, or later than that, you know, I just hope that I, I, I'm put in the best position possible for me to succeed. Most of us can't imagine having our next few years, our job, our coworkers, our boss decided by random selection that we don't get to say, okay, sounds good. So how are you prepping for that? Have you talked to current players and asked them how they deal with the sort of nervousness or anxiety of like, you're going to find out on Thursday, like where you're going to spend the first part of your life post-college? Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if there's a whole lot of stress and anxiety for me. You know, I'm, I think I have a very good support system at my back, so I know wherever that I go, um, you know, they're going to help me make that transition easier. They're they're, they're going to be with me um, through and through. So, um, you know, I don't have a whole lot of anxiousness. I'm just I'm just very excited for this next step and excited to, um, you know, to just uh, see see where I end up. All right, but let's be real. The second pick would be the Lions. You are a Michigan guy from Michigan. You played in Michigan, like. Have you? Are you going to have to set up a hotline that sort of prevents everybody from hitting you up from tickets? Because like people need to know, you don't just get these tickets; you got to buy them. Like, uh, how are you going to handle that? Yeah, yeah. No, my mom will be all over that. She, she, she's going to be, she's going to be the ticket. So if I if I go to Detroit, she's she's going to be all over that. But um, no, I think if I if I do end up there. Um, I think um, it, it will be a great fit, and I think that you know, it, just just to be home again, and just to be that hometown hero. You know, I, I was I, I already did it once out of high school. If I were to do it, you know, going to the NFL, I think it'd be uh, I think it'd be a cool thing. As a Bears fan, I'm contractually obliged to say that the Lions are lucky that someone from Michigan might go to them because who else would be excited about going to the Lions? Uh, again, I'm contractually <laughs> obligated to say that as a Chicago Bears fan. Uh, Aiden, I'm also a Michigan fan, and I, I'm, I'm curious how you feel about what happened in, in the time between your injury and this season and how it has set you up for such an uh, enviable position heading into this draft. Do you feel like... Um, you were, would have been tempted to leave last year and how different things might have gone then. Yeah, you know, it's it's really uh, just uh, how crazy, you know, your life can change in a year. You know, last year about this time I was sitting there just in college and, you know, having just still rehabbing um, my my ankle injury. And, um, you know, it's uh, – I did have an opportunity to leave my junior year, but, you know, I, there's too much unfinished business. So – um, you know, that, that injury was the, was the greatest blessing that's happened to me in my life because mm. it really forced me to come back and, and, um, and be a leader on my team and, and, and lead those guys, but also, you know, have a lot of that individual success that I did have. So, 
Um, you know, I think it was it was very big for for me and, and how I matured in life, and and I think going through something like that really opens your eyes to adversity and and just just to growing as a, as a person for sure. But it's interesting to me, Aiden, because at the beginning of the year, hosting College Football Live, all we were talking about was Kayvon Thibodeau, right? And so you think about your rise in a season that was also great for your school. Was there a turning point where you realized you had a real shot at being the top guy in this draft? Um, you know, it's it's hard not to see the mocks. You know, when I was in the I was in the middle of the season, and people were pro- projecting me to the Lions or something in the middle, just because all my buddies back home were sending me this stuff. So it was kind of <laughs> hard to ignore. Um, I think after um, I think I was after the Washington game. I, I really believed I could be a uh, a top pick, and I was really showing it to everybody as well. Aiden Hutchinson is with us here. You can follow him at Aiden Hutch ninety seven. Uh, big NFL draft prospect. Just a couple days away from the big night in Vegas. What's the fit going to look like? Have you been inspired by guys in the past? Did you have a a little bit of a collage of your favorite draft looks? You take them somewhere and get something special made for you? Yeah, we got the whole custom deal, lining. I mean, I I got it all. So it's going to be, I'm I'm fired up to to wear it and to put it on and uh, you know, to show everybody, you know, the, the kind of swag I'm going to have on, uh, on on draft night. But uh, I'm excited to show it off. I got a lot of memorable things, uh, memorable okay. pieces that I'm wearing. So um, I'm very excited to, to show it off on Thursday. Give us a hint. When you say memorable, does that mean like fashion forward taking a risk? Like people are going to be like, oh, okay, this guy knows. Like this guy is like reading his GQ or is it more just uh, memorable <laughs> in the sense of very personal touches? It's, it's definitely more personal, sentimental touches that that you know I have with with me and my family, and um, and you know just just things that that really um, go close to the heart for sure. All right, Fitz, you might not get to... the shorts and short suit top that you were looking for from him. Yeah. Then you might have to go somewhere else for the guy wearing the suit that somebody's has shorts. Gonna, a... <laughs> somebody's going to make a bad fashion decision. In, in addition to everything going on in Vegas, though, Aiden, you're also doing some cool stuff with Courtyard by Marriott. What are you up to? Yeah, so tomorrow at 6 p.m., uh, me and uh, and Matthew Stafford have the Bistro and Banter event at the library inside the Cosmopolitan. And pretty much me and Matt Stafford are going to be um, sitting there kind of talking football and, and talking a little life. And um, actually, they're, they're surprising um, the fans that come with 15 pairs of VIP access tickets um, to, to some of the fans that come out. So it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun and it's obviously being put on by you know courtyard by marriott who's the official hotel of the nfl awesome uh, stuff by the way a really cool hotel to be hanging out in uh what, what what's the after party plan after you uh, after you get drafted you got anything big going uh yeah yeah i mean of course we're in vegas you, know, you, you gotta do something <laughs> you know so uh, I'm, yeah definitely going to some places restaurants with me and the fam and and kind of my whole crew that i brought here so it's gonna be a lot of fun to celebrate with him after notice he he made sure not to tell me where sarah like i was just trying to crash that is not an invite that is 100 not an invite i felt that all the way uh man so happy for you i enjoy every second of this experience i can't wait to see where you end up but most importantly you've just kicked butt coming into this year thanks for a fun season so much you've deserved like it's great watching you play bro Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. That's going to be – I'm telling you that all of these, like, wild, fun things going on, Sarah, around – I'm around worried about your liver, should... Fitz. You have you, no uh, self-control. It's all or nothing with you.
Yeah, there, there, there is no like. I mean, think about it. That first night ends about nine o'clock at night. Whew. Oh, but you got to work the next day. I'm thinking like after yeah, the last day like is when you're going to let afternoon. it fly. I don't oh, have to right. work till like four. Okay, or five well, remember the party voice that you get, son. Well, that's probably that's probably a good call. I got Field with me. I'll let I'll make Field Yates do all the work where I just sit there. If I look like death and I'm not speaking, it means I had a great Thursday night. With I Aiden feel Hutchinson. like that's I feel like presume. Field will get one wine spritzer in him and go to bed. That's probably fair. We're gonna just stick with the NFL draft. I'm gonna mock it up for you. Give you the top ten picks coming up next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz the podcast. All right, I'll be honest. I'm still a little, uh, little bummed. I didn't get invited to Aiden Hutchinson's after party after Not he was selected in the, in the draft. And uh, you know what? As the uh, official GM of uh, the Jason Fitz team, uh, it might hurt him. And <laughs> what's about to happen, Sarah? Like, uh, you know, I, I mean, that was his interview moment. He had a chance to be my top pick in the draft. Now I don't know what to do. Whatever will he do if he is not the top <laughs> pick in your mock? Oh, Make well, you millions know, you, of dollars, crush a bunch of tail, and get hammered. <laughs> oh, that is that's that's you, what you just described is what about a hundred different uh, young gentlemen are going to be doing in uh, Vegas over the course of this weekend. Uh, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel, Lady Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and uh, look, we just decided as much work as I do in the draft, it's time to put my you know what on the line and uh, mm-hmm. decide that I'm going to do a, a ten a ten pick. My, look, Matt Miller. Our, our draft scout does a great job. He did a seven round, including including trades mock draft yesterday. I'm not going to do that, but we are going to do ten picks. So let's do the uh, let's do my top ten mock draft. You ready for this? Yes. Sarah, those chimes give me all the feels. Mm. We're going to go one through ten in this, and we'll start with the Jags on the clock at the beginning of the draft. And number you know, one, I hate this part of the. Oh, thank you. Ooh, you there, you're doing the job. That's what that I was, was meaty. To do that. Uh, I, I hate this part of the job. Like you've had months to figure out who you're going to take. Why are you waiting us, making us all wait the the initial ten minutes? But either way, this is not who I would take number one. It's who I think will be taken number one, and that is Trayvon Walker. As we've all heard, Trayvon Walker has been absolutely blowing up everybody's uh, draft boards, and uh, this is a, an absolute upside pick out of Georgia. Great defensive player, yes, but didn't necessarily have the numbers. As Mina Kimes point, pointed out, if he is selected first overall, he will have the least production of any rusher ever mm. to have been selected number one overall. So this is clearly based on all of the measurables, and then people will say how he was used in the system, but it brings up the most important question of all time, Sarah. Uh, in honor of his last name, Trayvon Walker, would you rather go walking on Sunshine or walking in Memphis? I'm going to go walking on Sunshine. It has more of an upbeat feel to it for the greatest day of his life, presumably. I have two questions for you, since this will also yes. be a quiz to see if you've really done the work. What is his real first name? What is Trayvon Walker's real first name? Trayvon, we're just going to go Trayvon. It is not. It is Yuri. Y-U-R-Y. Yuri Trayvon Walker. Uh, time to re-hit the books, Fitz. Also, uh, question you know. for you. Do we think that Doug Peterson's arrival at the Jags, his history, having won a Super Bowl with the Eagles, even though the end there was awkward, do we think that that makes you a little bit more enthusiastic about arriving there despite the absolute disaster of a season under Urban Meyer last year? Yeah, I do, honestly, because Trevor Lawrence, you're not that far removed from having watched Trevor Lawrence and ETM play, for example. So yeah. I think if you're a college kid coming in, there's a little bit of spice. It's a little spicy getting your way 
into Jacksonville with what's happening right now. And for Trayvon, I think you've got to understand that uh, I'm not going to say this is a big reach. He was a top 10 pick for a lot of people, but this has been such a meteoric rise that I, I think he's just going to be appreciative of the moment. Next up on the draft, clock. Number two. The Lions on the clock, and they go with the homegrown kid. This is an easy one. Aiden Hutchinson goes number two. And, you know, I, I love Aiden. We just had him on the show. If you missed it, check it out on the podcast when it posts later. Uh, really great kid. Lots of root for for Aiden Hutchinson. I like this pick for the Lions for a lot of reasons, but I'll say this. As much as Aiden Hutchinson has a lot to like, you do have questions about whether or not he can put it together in the NFL. He did not have three years that led to this year. He had a monster year and a few monster games against big competition. Yeah, I have to say, I'm going to be happy for him if he goes to the Lions and gets to be the hometown hero. I'm to be sad for me because I'm a fan of him. As you know, my Michigan fandom that I selected a few years ago in the college football bachelorette. And so it's going to be tough for him to be a divisional rival for me. And and I'd rather be able to see him somewhere that I don't have to face so many times other than the uh, biting Dan Campbells. (laughs) That brings us to our next pick. Number three. The Texans are on the clock. There is no team in the entire NFL with more needs than the Texans, and they should take the best player available. And uh, to me, there are a lot of guys that are best player available, but one thing the Texans could do here that could help them right away is start to fix their offensive line, and that's where Iki Aquanu comes in to play. Also, odds-on favorite to be the first name I screw up in the draft, Sarah, but <laughs> Iki Aquanu, uh, absolutely monster human being, massive offensive lineman, but not only is he massive, he's incredibly mobile, and I've talked to three or four big guys I trust. Everybody seems to consensus thing. He is the top guy on the board. I'm not going to argue with that, so I take him to the Texans. Boring for fans because fans hate offensive line picks, but it makes the team better. So smart. How many teams need a good offensive line? This is the time to grab one and get yourself set. I've got a couple questions for you. The quiz continues. Why does he go by Icky? Uh, because he likes Icky Woods a lot. Uh, his close, his Pop Warner coach thought he resembled Icky Woods. So that's why he goes by Icky. <sighs> that was How do you guess. pronounce his real name? Ikem. Ikem. Oh, I was close. I was close. Ekem Ikwanu. And finally, what does his name mean? It means really big offensive lineman, obviously. I'm, I'm nailing this. I'm three for three on it. It does not. It, uh, it means <laughs> translated. Uh, there are two translations. They are both extremely badass. One is, my effort will not be in vain. And the other is, my strength will not be in vain. That is wow. what Ekem means. That is Look a badass that. name. That is, like that's the sort of name that you know you 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 tell everybody over and over and over what you got there. That's that right. is all right. Keep it moving. With, all right, next pick number four. The, the Jets are on the clock with a bunch of needs, and uh, I'm going to go with the the dynamic player that you need at corner only because corner is not an area that will continue to be as deep. There is a big drop off after Sauce Gardner, so Sauce Gardner uh, is the first corner off the board and goes to the Jets. All right, so my only commentary on this is if you're Sauce Gardner, and I think I'll throw this out to the people on Twitter as well, which of the sauces are you dedicating yourself to in case there's some sort of, uh, you know, no-conflict contract that you must sign? Are you a tomato sauce? Are you a barbecue sauce? Are you a hot sauce? Which one will he sign with? Oh, I think he goes with a hot sauce because he's going to, you know, that that absolutely makes sense to me. You go hot sauce for that all day long. All right, let's go to the next pick. Number five. 
All right, the Giants are on the clock. And remember, we've got a bunch of teams with two picks in the first 10. The Giants, one of them. The Giants also have glaring needs on the offensive line. They go Evan Neal, the big, 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 big offensive lineman out of Bama. That's their fifth pick, uh, the, or I should say the fifth pick overall in this one. It really, it's a toss-up between Charles Cross, who would give them a little more flexibility on the offensive line. I think Neal's a better player, so Neal is their pick. All right, I, I agree with that. I like that. Okay. Keep it moving. We're good. Look, look at that. All right, let's Number go six. to the, the biggest reach in the first 10 because mm. when you are coaching for your job and you're just desperately trying to give coaches a reason to stick around, you need a quarterback. It gives everybody an excuse. Malik Willis should not be drafted, in my opinion, until somewhere close to the 20s. He'll be the first pick off the board at quarterback. The Panthers take him because they're desperate to get somebody in there that can save Matt Rule's job, which, by the way, won't work. He'll be done after the season, and Malik Willis will be a bust. That that's my big I, pick. It says. Uh, yeah, I think this draft is going to make some people make some bad decisions. I heard Mina Kimes on ESPN Daily today did a great job, and she mentioned Josh Allen as the kind of guy that gets teams to look at potential and think to themselves, mm, what could we have? And she thinks a lot of the quarterbacks in this draft are going to go earlier than they should and are going to have people thinking, maybe if we could get the best ceiling out of this guy. Um, very different quarterback styles to the top guys in this Pickett and Willis. Uh, but I just don't know if Liberty is the spot to send you right to the pros. Yeah, Number seven. I've, I've been to Willis years, by the way. Number seven, and this is, other than I said earlier, Kyle Hamilton is my one lock. There's one other guy, I think, in the top ten of the draft that's a day one superstar that is going to be one of those why didn't he get picked earlier guys. He goes number seven to the Giants, Kayvon Thibodeau. And I've heard all of the comments about effort and heart and all of these things. It's trash. I don't like any of it with him. I, you know, he's somebody that came back from an ankle injury when he didn't have to put himself back on the field. He is an absolutely dominant player. Has he had stretches where he disappears a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Is it fair to say that maybe the draft got in his head? Maybe. But uh, I, I look at Kayvon Thibodeau and say, if you want to look at the production over the course of an entire career, I'd put him above Aiden Hutchinson, and I would certainly put him above Trayvon uh, Walker. So I've got – I think he's better than all of them. He goes seven to the Giants. Uh, can you spell his last name without looking? Yeah, T-H-I-B-O-D-E-A-U-X, because I wrote Woo! it up about 1,500 times over the Proud last of couple you. of days. You said it right, Thank too. You. Thank you. Yeah, well you know, came on. And that one's been a really easy one because we've talked about him all year. Uh, let's go to the next pick. Number eight. The Falcons need weapons. Garrett Wilson, I think, is the wide receiver that they take. Although, again, wide receivers like ice cream at this point in this draft. Everybody's got their favorite flavor. Garrett Wilson's size, speed, can do almost anything. The Falcons got to figure out what they're going to do to rebuild from the ground up. They don't have a quarterback. They can't get one, but at least start getting options for the quarterback you're going to get next year when you pick first overall in the draft. So I think the Falcons, uh, they get a wide receiver that can help them. I think that's number nine. Okay, look at that. They're moving us along. And the Seahawks also go offensive line. Charles Cross, he's a big guy, uh, third-best offensive lineman, but that helps the Seahawks with the need. Also going to help them run the football better. Uh, boring pick. Let's go to the next one. Number 10. <laughs> Jamison Williams. That's the first big reach at the wide receiver position, but frankly, Jamison Williams coming off of the uh, injury for the Jets. I don't think they care about an ACL. They know he's going to rehab it long-term. I think he turns out to be the best of the wide receiver bunch. Short-term, he's got to rehab to get there. So I like Jamison there. Speaking of uh, what kind of sauce you're committing to after the draft for endorsements, we know what kind of sauce he's going to be committed to. Jamison! If he isn't doing Irish whiskey sauce? ads by the end of the draft, yeah, then we have lost sauce. all sorts of opportunity. All right, that's my top 10 mock. We'll see how I did with it on Monday. As always, we'll be accountable to uh, my level of suckery. But I, I, I feel pretty good about this. All right, 
Coming up next, we'll get back to the NBA. We got KD taking on Charles Barkley. We'll get you the breakdown on all the latest of the drama next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We have a couple things to get to. Uh, One of them is the back and forth between Kevin Durant and Charles Barkley. But quickly, we did ask you uh, uh, for uh, some of the predictions that are going to happen over the next couple days before we're back. And we're going to get to those at the end of the show, but we want to throw it out one more time. Predict what will happen between now and the next time Spade and Fitz are on the air, which the earliest would be Monday. So we've got basically six days of NBA playoffs, MLB, NHL, WNBA, the draft to make predictions. You mentioned one after the break last time, the potential that Jay Wright may be announced as an NBA coach by then. That is a juicy one. Yeah, I'm bringing that into the the lexicon of the world. Uh, He will be, uh, let's just go all in, Jay Wright, Nets coach by Monday. Wow. Okay, I don't know Why about not? that. I'm thinking more Lakers than Nets, uh, but we'll, oh, we'll, I yeah. like that fit. Yeah. That is a, that yeah yeah. As usual, Sarah's you know I, I was halfway there. Sarah, Sarah, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'll finish yeah. the job oh, for you. That all perfect. sounded gross. Let's keep it moving. Uh, <laughs> let's check in on the games that are happening right now. Uh, Atlanta is trailing Miami 58-50 with about seven to play in the third. Heat trying to close out that series in advance. Halftime for Minnesota and Memphis. That's a two-point game. Minnesota up 55-53. Man, that series has been so close. And then coming up at 10 Eastern tonight. Suns and Pelicans in Phoenix. That series tied to a piece. That's going to be right here on ESPN Radio. When we're done, we got an extra large Spain and Fitz tonight taking you right up uh, to uh, 9.30 Eastern. All right, let's talk Kevin Durant and Charles Barkley. We've, we've spent a little bit of time talking about the Nets, and I do want to play some Kyrie Irving sound as well. But, but let's start with what happened. After the Nets were swept and eliminated last night, Charles Barkley on TNT inside the NBA said, I don't want to badmouth the dude. You guys always talk about championship stuff. I try to tell y'all, all all these bus riders, they don't mean nothing to me. If you ain't driving the bus, don't walk around talking about you a champion. If you riding the bus, I don't want to hear it. All these guys walking around with championship rings, y'all bus riders. When you the bus driver and you'll got all that pressure where you have to play well or you're going to get the blame, that's a different animal. Now, you can misread this. You could criticize Barkley and say that Kevin Durant's one of the greatest players of all time. He's not a bus rider. I get his point. And it stems from criticism that he's faced his whole career, which is, Chuck, you never won a ring. What do you have to say? Well, that's going to be frustrating if you were the star of the team who led the way and maybe didn't have enough help or went up against the buzzsaw that was the 90s Bulls and Michael Jordan and had an incredible career where you brought it every night and your team just wasn't enough versus someone like KD who has been fantastic, but to be fair, has titles with a team that won without him and didn't necessarily need him. And when he was with James Harden and Russ in in Oklahoma City, they didn't win. And when he was with James Harden and Kyrie with the Nets, they didn't win. So if you're counting him as the bus driver in those situations, then yeah, he might have been the bus rider for the rings. And that gives Chuck a place to stand and say, I could criticize you not showing up in the way that I wanted for this series, and I can also pat myself on the back a little and say it's tougher than people say to be the guy in charge. Well, and none of that has to be wrong. I mean, Kurt Rambis has four titles. Will Perdue has four titles. Nothing against either of them. 
as players, but I'm not going to sit there and say either of them are better than Charles Barkley, who has none, right? Like, so we can, we, we sort of pick and choose where we want the championship narrative to lie for everybody. And I understand Charles' point that, you know, realistically, when you become part of something that's so special, it's easy to make it that. I just, I, I also look at it and say, what's the win for Barkley? Like, when you're, when you're Barkley, you have so much respect from people that played the game because of the way you played the game and the level that you played at that I understand his voice has weight. I just, what, what point is he really trying to make about the greatness of KD? Is, are, are we really going to sit here and say that KD should be considered less of a player because of the way he won his championships? I could just think that's taking one one portion of a stat line no, and but making I it think, too important. I think it's about the back and forth that you've heard from some of these players and Chuck and some of these players and you know the 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 former players is to hold up that sign of whether you have a title or not and if you're going to go that direction then you're fair game to be criticized for how you got it right so kevin durant not a fan of this he went on instagram fired back with some examples of the times he believes barkley was a bus rider uh barkley with elijah on scotty pippen and clyde drexler as a member of the rockets late in his career um also you know uh chuck early on with the sixers I don't know if they're great examples. And again, I think this back and forth is a little bit silly, but I do think it reminds us that Kevin Durant's pretty sensitive and uh, that this was a very tough loss for a, a team that had big expectations. As we eulogize the Nets getting swept, couple sound bites. Here's Durant when he was asked if Steve Nash is the right man for the job. Come on, man. Like, yeah, like Steve's been dealt a crazy hand the last two years. Like, He'd been had to deal with so much stuff as a head coach, first time coach, and trades, injuries, you know, COVID, just a lot of stuff he had to deal with. And uh, I'm proud of how he just focused and his passion for us. And, uh, you know, we all, you know, continue to keep developing over the summer and see what happens. Yeah, uh, it's on to summer talk, and he wasn't alone in that fit. Spain and Fitz, by the way, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Kyrie Irving also looking ahead because uh, certainly nothing to plan for tomorrow or the next day or the next day. And he addressed the idea of people wanting to see the Nets fail. You know, I know so many um, people wanted to see us fail mm -hmm. at this juncture, you know, picked us as contenders and, Nope. Um, you know, have so much to say at this point. So I'm mm -hmm. just using using that as fuel for the summer okay. and coming to the season starting from October um, and, and just October. getting a good start as a team. And you know, hopefully earlier. we don't run into any barriers um, and we could just start fresh and, uh, you know, Which be barriers? realistic with our own expectations mm. uh, and, and live with our team results rather than, um, you know, being the polarization of, of kind of the media scrum and having our names be sorry, what? dragged, you know, for a series that um, naturally happens in people's careers, oh, you know. Mm. Uh, so it's definitely um, exciting to have this motivation um, going into the summertime now. So The polarization of the media scrum. The polarization what? of the media scrum. That makes no sense. And hopefully we don't run into barriers like those of your own making. I just, I can't tell you how happy I am. Here's my prediction for the next six days. We won't be hearing from Kyrie Irving and that will make me happy. <laughs> yeah. I, I just also sit there and think, man, 
you weren't already motivated? Like, it, you've had this whole season, especially when you weren't oh, on the God. court yeah. with everybody, to, to, to be motivated and to want to go out there and shut everybody up. And instead, you got swept. And, like, yeah. you, you got you got it handed to you. Just, like, stand up, admit that, and move on. I, I, yeah. I don't understand this at all. Super excited about being motivated by people not believing in them or being happy that they lost. I mean, that's one way to spin it when you got swept in the first round mainly in part due to your own actions. Got a pivotal Game 5, Suns-Pelicans tonight. We'll get you set for it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're saying to yourself, what's going on? It's 9 o'clock. Why are you still talking? Uh, it's an extra long show tonight. We're taking you right into NBA basketball, Pelicans-Suns. And to join us and talk about it, the man who will be on the call for that game, ESPN basketball analyst Corey Alexander. Corey, thanks for the time. Appreciate you guys having me. Let's talk about this Pelicans team. If the Nets reminded us with that sweep that you can't just put some talent together and not have smart roster construction, perhaps the Pelicans have shown us the opposite, what it means when a team gels together and a bunch of different players fit their roles. How have you seen them make this a tied series with the Suns? Well, they've done it with the combination of experience with C.J. McCollum coming in. Of course, it's about a, a ton of playoff experience at Portland, uh, the talent in Brandon Ingram, but also some young players infused. And one of the things I don't think people are talking enough about with these young players, when you consider Jose Alvarado, Herbert Jones, and Trey Murphy, the three rookies in the rotation, is Herbert – I'm sorry, Willie Green actually coached these guys in summer league this summer. It's very mm-hmm. rare for a head coach to coach a team in summer league, but it was his first year, so he decided to coach the summer league team, and that's how he built the relationship with these three rookies. And that's the reason why he trusts these three rookies now as they're in a real playoff series, getting significant minutes and having a big-time contribution for the Pelicans. Suns, as close as you can get last year and come up just short Start to finish of the regular season, they were world beaters, and then Devin Booker out indefinitely. Who needs to step up that didn't in the last game for Phoenix to get the win tonight? It's a combination of guys. They need more production from Mikael Bridges and Cameron Johnson in the starting lineup. But more importantly, campaign coming off the bench. I think campaign needs to take over a lot of the ball handling responsibilities, especially in the first three quarters, to relieve some of the pressure from Chris Paul, who's used to taking over games in the fourth quarter. So I think all three of those guys need to give bigger production, and they all have at different points throughout this season. We have to remember the Suns have played without Chris Paul for a month, played without Devin Booker for 14 games this year. So these guys are used to stepping up, but it's always different in the regular season in comparison to the playoffs. Talking to Corey Alexander, ESPN basketball analyst. You can follow him at Corey Alexander VA. He'll be on the call for Suns Pelicans. Pre-game for that starting right after we're done here, 9.30 p.m. Eastern here on ESPN Radio. You know, this is a Suns team that presumably will get stronger the further away from the injury because they'll have more time to adjust and make game plans without Booker. Is there a serious strategic difference to going out there, or is it just a matter of who needs to get up more shots and be more aggressive? Well, in the playoffs, it's always going to be a chess match. So each and every game takes on a personality of its own. So there is a strategic change, a strategic advantage that is there. I believe we will see, from a strategy standpoint, Monty Williams matching the minutes of Jose Alvarado, who did a great job of pressuring Chris Paul 94 feet in game four. I believe that campaign will come into the games. You'll get Chris off the ball when Alvarado's in the game. And honestly, 
Chris Paul has been one of the best post-up players for a six-foot point guard we've seen in the history of the NBA. I think they're going to put Jose Alvarado in the post having to guard Chris and probably get him in foul trouble in the first half of this game, and then we'll see how much pressure he's able to apply as the game gets later. Corey, Brandon Ingram has been absolutely incredible. It's been a delight to watch. What's been the difference in his game that's helped him step up? Well, Brandon Ingram's been an all-star. <laughs> Brandon Ingram has been special. The thing is, the spotlight has always been about Zion in New Orleans. People haven't paid attention to the fact that Brandon Ingram has been this good, but now everyone looks, and on the playoff stage, and this is really when you, you, know, you make your money in the NBA, you make a name for yourself by doing it in the playoffs. So now that he's averaging close to 30 points a game in playoff action, people are actually seeing what Brandon Ingram is all about. But this is also Brandon Ingram's first playoff appearance in his six-year career. So this is why people are starting to notice. But he's been this guy since he's been in New Orleans, multiple-time All-Star, but now people are starting to see what he's really about. And Spain and Fitz talking to Corey Alexander ahead of tonight's Pelican Suns game. Chris Paul uh, has been an agitator in the past, but it looked like he was on the opposite end of that. Alvarado sort of getting under his skin with the hustle plays, with some of the uh, unique approaches to inbounds. Do you see Chris Paul as needing to be a little bit tougher in terms of staying focused because he was completely taken out of that last one I wouldn't say tougher and staying focused one thing I can say no one respects what Jose Alvarado is doing more so than Chris Paul right and no one respects Chris Paul more than Jose Alvarado <laughs> I've known Jose Alvarado and Chris Paul both for a very long time Jose Alvarado wants to be Chris Paul he wants to be what Chris Paul has been in throughout for 16 years in the NBA but what Chris does have to do is understand that there are certain battles that he can't fight. And right now, Jose Alvarado at 23 years old, Chris Paul is about to turn 37. You don't need to fight that battle of trying to bring the basketball up full court 94 feet against that pressure. Allow someone else to take the basketball, go into the half court, and then create your opportunities in the half court. And Chris Paul, of course, is as competitive as you get. He wants to continue to show what he can and cannot do at this point, but he doesn't need to fight that battle. Just have someone else bring it up the floor and catch me in the post. Corey, if you're looking just at, at the seating, obviously, you're surprised that this is a close series. But I would keep going back to Perk, who thought out from the outset that this would be a close series. What did so many of us miss about the matchup between these two teams that's led us to where we are? I, I would honestly say to that if Devin Booker were healthy, this series would be over. <laughs> this would have been a sweep. I mean, <laughs> Devin Booker had 31 points in the first half of game two. Mm. New Orleans is not winning that game. And so when you think about someone getting off to that type of role, and you're talking about a, the fourth, you know, fourth runner-up when you think about the MVP voting this year. That's how good Devin Booker is. When you take him out of the lineup, of course it's going to be a difference. It's going to be a more competitive series. But and New Orleans has played great. No, take nothing away from them. But if Devin Booker's healthy, I don't think this is a series. And so when you talk about someone picking New Orleans now, that's easy to do now at 2-2. But when it was 0-0, I don't think anyone was picking the Pelicans to win this series, especially when you've got a healthy Devin Booker on the floor. Corey, how big is this for a Pelicans team that's had to face Anthony Davis asking out, Zion Williamson being this shocking gift that drops in their lap but then isn't available all season, isn't playing now, and maybe also is rumored to want out? How, how much can this actually help them? Even if they don't win this series, they just put up a good fight in terms of reputation around the league and, and maybe people wanting to go there. 
I honestly believe that the Pelicans are here to stay. I think that they are ascending team in the NBA. They're on an upper trajectory because they have a budding superstar in Brandon Ingram. But the trade to get C.J. McCollum to New Orleans was huge on David Griffith's part. When you think about the fact that you bring in that veteran who can play as a combo guard, he can play the point, he can play off the ball, but they've done a great job of drafting Trey Murphy, Herb Jones in the second round, undrafted free agent Jose Alvarado, all three of these rookies giving great minutes. And this is a team that will continue to get better moving forward, adding pieces here and there, but they have a strong core together already with, without Zion. So if you imagine you get Zion back in the mix in that four spot, you're talking about a team that can not only be an eight seed next year or a team that can jump into possibly their top four, top five seeds. Awesome stuff. We're really looking forward to the call and the game tonight. Thanks for the insight, Corey. Thanks, Corey. Thank you, guys. Appreciate y'all having me. Corey Alexander, ESPN basketball analyst. You can follow him at Corey Alexander VA. NBA playoffs are right here on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight as the Suns host the Pelicans, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Coming up, we'll share your wild predictions for the next six days. Get you up to speed on the NBA action going on now. Spain and Fitz. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.